Yo, 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 it's your girl and boy CT. I'm Cindy Barnes. And I'm Travis Barnes. And we are the founders of the Overcomers Podcast. Sponsored by Journey 333. That is a place of mind, body, spirit that helps you with fitness, coaching, and nutrition to look better, live better, and feel better. We produce these episodes every week for your enjoyment to help people to overcome adversity and live their dreams. Welcome, Overcomer Nation. We are super excited today to have our guest. <laughs> David Weck in the house. That's Woo! right. I know we got a lot of Journey members listening. You know, Overcomer Nation, if you're a fitnesspreneur, if you're a business owner, I know you're going to be excited by today's show. And if you are somebody that's working out as a fitness enthusiast, then I'm sure that you have used a product or products that this man has invented. So David Weck is the inventor of the BOSU Trainer. We also have a couple new products coming out. And those products are the Pro Pulse Speed Trainers and Soul Steps. We're going to be talking about that today on the show. But as you all know, we always talk about what path was it that somebody took to get to where they're at and what obstacles did they have to overcome? And I can't wait for David to share with you about that. So David, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm excited. Yeah, thank you for being here. Thanks for making time. We know how busy you are, you know, with uh, all the different things you already have going on and then creating new things for our industry. So thank you for what you're doing for the people in our industry, both uh, business owners, trainers, and the uh, fitness enthusiasts that get to enjoy it. Thank you. Oh, absolutely. Well, David, if we could, you know, I'd love to just kind of have your story uh, be shared, you know, um, maybe just take us back. I'm going to go way back first, you know, uh, can we just talk a little bit about how you became so passionate about this thing that we do to change lives, which is fitness. Can you give us a little history about you getting involved with fitness? And then we'll talk about your inventions and uh, what adversities you had to overcome for those. Sure. So um, I think all my life, I loved physical activity. I loved to run like the wind when I was a kid. That's what I told my parents. And I love sports. So I was outside playing from, you know, sun up to sundown kind of a thing. And I had a lot of older kids in my neighborhood who taught me the sports. So, you know, if you have an advantage when you're one of the younger kids in the neighborhood, because then you get all the sort of, you know, feedback from people who are way ahead of you. And it's just something that I loved. Um, Because I'm not pro caliber in the sport of football, which was my great passion, um, I, I knew that I would never be a professional athlete, but I trained and I played as if I were. Mm-hmm. So I didn't let that stop me from going 100%. And a big part of football is getting bigger, faster, and stronger. Mm-hmm. Um, especially in the high school years, you know, a freshman, you're not even really into puberty as much as you are when, you know, sort of through the high school years. So you, your physical capacity just leaps and bounds um, in that. And I do want to make mention of a, of a very significant event in my life in the theme of overcoming adversity. When I was a junior in high school, I broke my right elbow on a play. And it was the, uh, the electronon process for all the geeks out there. That's sort of the, the bone at the end of the ulna where your uh, triceps tendon fastens in. And I broke that bone off. I had a very bad surgeon who, you know, didn't have Google back then to figure out what you're going to do. And he mangled the operation. And then I got out of the cast. And because of his debauchery, um, my triceps tendon completely ruptured off. And so I spent like 12 weeks in a cast 
basically wow. 12 full weeks to get my arm deteriorated to nothing, just a bone. Um, and I was told I would never play football again. And that just wasn't in the cards for me. So literally the way I overcame that was I used tape. I used athletic tape to tape my elbow to the point where you literally couldn't bend it because I couldn't, I couldn't hold two pounds. I couldn't even hold my arm over my head right. because there is such damage in it. And I was able to play uh, my senior year. I changed my stance from right-handed to left-handed and had to make adjustments. But um, that overcame and allowed me to play my senior year. And then it helped me get into college. I went to Williams College where I played four years and I was a contributor at the division three level and there is no div four. So <laughs> um, that's basically was the onset or the start of my passion for performance and physical education. And, and I had an amazing gym teacher in K through six, just the most amazing gym teacher who just cultivated a love of physical activity and physical fitness. Wow, so that's, it's, that's it's really, been a huge part of my life. Yeah, that's really awesome, you know, because we always like to ask our guests, you know, how adversity has shaped their life. And uh, they say that necessity is the mother of invention. So it sounds like you were inventing kinesio tape before it was a thing, <laughs> right? You know, kinesio tape kind of has come on in recent years. And it, it seems like you were taping up your elbow in such a way as to kind of trace where the muscles needed support, you know, which is uh, some of what's going on with taping today. And, uh, and then how it shaped your life to allow you to be the person that you are today, providing inventions to our fitness industry you know, is that you became very interested in how performance and uh, different tools would help. Is that right? Well, yes. And what I would say is that because of the injury to my elbow and then my compensatory physical patterning was everything in my body shifted like this to my right side because I couldn't extend and hold my arm out. I had to tie it into the lat and sort of twist it in to get purchase and have any kind of chance at it. And it literally took my whole body through years of this and it sort of tilted it to the right a little bit. And that wound up contributing to lower back pain that led to the BOSU ball. So if I didn't break my right arm, maybe there's no BOSU ball. Right. Um, and, and it also led to a replaced hip. I have a, a, a replaced hip on my right side because again, everything in my body was compensating for the fact that I didn't have my right arm. <laughs> like I'm right-handed. <laughs> I didn't have my right arm. So that necessity of, uh, or the mother of invent or the mother invention being necessity, that's how basically invention happens, mm -hmm. not just for me, but for everybody. Yeah. But that's so important too, for our listeners to, uh, if you're a fitness enthusiast or coach, you know, like we need to think about uh, what's happening when people are compensating in a certain way, you know, because, uh, you know, a problem with the elbow led to a problem uh, that created a hip replacement. Um, you know, that's just really important to stay in tune to what's going on in your body and, you know, what other muscles might be compensating or things such as that, you know, that's an important tip too. So here you are, you know, passionate about uh, football and, and, you know, fitness in general and, and, you know, defying the odds and, and playing football again and going on to college to play football. Uh, tell us uh, about your first step into the uh, fitness professional world. 
You know, okay, so uh, uh, junior year in college, the summer I worked on Wall Street and I paid really well for the summer job. And it was a feeder to go into, you know, becoming a Wall Street guy. And my senior year, I just looked at that and I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I've been I've been pursuing passion until now and I'm going to go chase the dollar. Really? Like and I just I balked at that and I said, I can't do that. And so what I did was I. I dove into being an actor. So I moved to New York City and I just started. I got an agent very quickly, uh, did tons of auditions. I've been rejected at auditions 2000 times plus, uh, which, which gives you a lot of fortitude mm -hmm. when you become the carnival barker to sell your BOSU ball in the beginning too. You become fearless after you've been rejected that many times and very good in front of people in terms of just being yourself able to think on your toes in the moment and not let let nerves and worry hijack your capacity to to function well so that um that that i ask the question again so that i don't go off on a tangent well, well actually you know i really like where we went and then i'll ask that question again which had to do with your yeah, okay yeah yeah I, I, the personal train but, yeah but that was such an important adversity that you just shared there too being rejected two thousand times as an actor and I just wanted to clarify or, or, you know, make sure that I heard it right. Would you say that the number one thing that that adversity gave you was fortitude? Is that what you would, you know, like when you th say, man, wow, I, I can be really persistent. Do you look back on those years auditioning and, uh, you know, look absolutely. At I, I the very first audition I had, I remember it. And I was, you know, I, I was like so scared. I was so terrified to go up in front of these people and perform the audition. And I'm looking at the fire alarm and I'm thinking, if I pull it, then uh, <laughs> I won't have to go in. <laughs> I didn't, <laughs> but it did cross my mind. Um, so the acting, I, you gotta make a living, right? In the beginning, you don't make any money as an actor. So I became a personal trainer. It was the logical extension. And that led to, I remember again, adversity. How do you get clients? That's the hardest part of it, right? How do you get, how do you get started? And I, I advertised in a paper called the New York Observer. It's the highest income per capita newspaper in New York City. I figured, you know, go to the rich people. You want a personal train. And all I would get from this advertisement is like, oh, uh, yeah, I'm in a hotel. Do you do massage? I'm like, uh, no. <laughs> No, I don't want to come to your hotel room and massage you. Right no, now. no, no. I'll, I'll pay you twice your fee. Yeah, um, right. So so that didn't work. And, uh, you know, sticking flyers like Chinese menus under doors didn't work. <laughs> flyers in windshield don't work kind of a thing. So I got a job at Club La Raquette on 56th Street and 57th Street. It spans the block. And I was making $6.50 an hour in my first personal training job. And because I had a certification, I made $13 when I was training people. Wow. So, and I got there at 5.30 in the morning and I would leave at noon so that I'd have the rest of the day to pursue acting. And okay. that was my first job as a personal trainer. Now- What year was that? 92. 92, okay. I got yep. my- 92, 93. 96, 93, yep. Very cool. We actually, you know, I, I've never shared this with our audience before, but I went to UNLV for uh, theater and uh, oh. my 
Chris's job was in 1996. And, and some of the time I didn't even get paid because my job was just to walk the floor and pick up weights and, you know, hope that I got a client or something, you know? So yeah, I, re, I remember. Right. How about the, the new, the new member and you, you know, pull out the calipers and tell them their body fat and do yeah. a push up test and then try to sell them on a package. Like that's, yeah. that's that the whole thing. That's that the was the sales thing. method. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you feel terrible about the push-up that you couldn't do and the sit-ups you couldn't do. Okay, you're ready to sign up. Yeah. <laughs> right in the moment, we got a discount for you. Your first 10 sessions are half price, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so there you are, you know, somewhere in New York. We're on 56th Street. How do you say it? The La Raquette Club, right? Yeah, Club La Raquette. And, and one of the big things that there was Bruce Willis used to work the front desk there years ago before he became Bruce Willis. And wow. so... That I remember, like, you know, the person hiring me was sure to tell me that, like, you know, oh, this place is, you know, ripe with opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, especially, especially for a theater guy like yourself, you're like, well, Bruce Willis made it from here. Let's go. You know, <laughs> Amen. right. <laughs> yeah, right. That's awesome. All right. So now, you know, we traveled down the road of fitness and uh, you were just talking about how if you had never had the elbow injury and you never had the hip replacement, you know, maybe there's no BOSU, um, you know, can you uh, kind of take us to, you know, where those ideas began, you know, if you will. Yeah. So um, what I did from that club La Raquette was I, you know, had a client who I said, listen, I'm, I'm leaving this place and I'll train you at home. I'll charge you less than you're paying here and I'll make more. Right. So I made more money in a week training this client than I did, you know, <laughs> working the whole time. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then yeah. word of mouth, you know, I, I soon filled up my personal training schedule mm -hmm. and I rollerbladed everywhere in Manhattan because I'm a, I love effortless power. Like yeah. I love that, that, that floating on the skates. And I got so good on those things. I was going down staircases, jumping over cars and like, just, Oh, I would hang on cars and get towed up, you know, Manhattan. And, oh, that's cool. Oh, yeah. It was just, it was, it was, I am so grateful for the experience. And I'm intense, meaning I do, whatever I do, I do 100%. And so I literally didn't walk for six years. So if I were outside, I was in skates. Right. And I, I would literally go out on a Saturday night and I'd wear skates. Because, you know, I don't have to spend money on a cab. I can get there fast. And like, if you're not looking down, you don't even know I got them on and I'm that much taller. So, you know, <laughs> and like, who's that tall, dark, handsome guy. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and, and so basically what happened was my feet became so weak that I couldn't resolve the, the, you know, the forces going through my body down to the ground and through because my feet were so weak and that led to a back problem. And it was chronic pain for a year. I wouldn't wish it on anyone. It was horrible. And it was the stability ball that started to bring me light at the end of the tunnel. There's sort of a reflexive reset that happens when you're writing and adjusting with balance. The nervous system gets to, it's almost like hitting refresh on the computer when it's frozen. You can take muscles that are gripping in tension because they don't want to let you get hurt. And you can sort of say, ah, chill out. Like I'm okay now right? The pain doesn't need to last. And that led to a fall and another fall and another fall. As I progressed it, I used to jump onto the ball. I used to like jump with the ball. I used to jump from one ball and try to jump to another ball. And 
I would fall sometimes. And that wasn't so much a problem because you're prepared for it. You're ready. You're on your toes, ready to fall. But I was also doing the other end of the spectrum, which is inspired by Feldenkrais, which I was studying. And that's the minimalist. And so, and a lot of manipulation with the eyes and the vestibular in Feldenkrais. So I would close my eyes and tilt my head. And one night I fell off and it was so terrifying that I kicked my feet to make sure I could still kick my feet because I landed on my neck halfway across the room, bounced and did a flip and landed. And that night, as I pondered my problem, which is I can't continue to progress like that on the ball, I thought, what if I cut the ball in half? And that was like an aha moment. I slept in a loft that was only about 18 inches from the ceiling. And I like shot up. <laughs> I'm lucky I didn't forget the idea with a bump on my head. And so that led to the next day, I literally canceled everything, told my agent I'm done and went out, built a prototype and it worked. And I was like, okay, this is my ticket. This is my ticket. Wow. You know, I love what you just said. And, you know, I don't want anybody to miss that. You got so committed to that idea in a single night that you canceled everything. There's an expression called I burned the boats, right? You know, and that has, we all know what that is, right? When the armies were going to, you know, take a shore and they said, you know what, we're going to burn the boats so there can't be any retreat. You canceled your agent and you said, you know what, I'm going all in with this and this is what I'm going to do. Uh, that that's an amazing action mm -hmm. in itself, right? I, I think that some of us aren't successful because we only just dip our toes in the water, right? We, we yeah. still got one foot on the shore and we're trying to make it out to an island, but you can't make it out to the island if you keep a foot on the shore, right? You know, very important. Wow, that's really awesome. And uh, let's talk a little bit about, well, you know, something else that I wanted to ask you is uh, with that back injury that you suffered through for a year, I know that the BOSU has been used to help a lot of people um, rehab and, and disabilities and things like that. Um, was that always on your heart and um, you know part of your intention because of the adversity that you're going through with your back and your feet and whatnot? Yes. And I had clients that ranged in age from all the way like a child who was nine years old to uh, a guy who was in his 80s. Mm -hmm. And and everything in between, well, not everything in between, but a lot in between. And the efficacy that I could find with every single person was there because it's just a very useful tool. Yeah. And so that was sort of my, I, I already knew that it would work because I trusted my gut on this. I just knew deep down in cells of my body that this was a special one. Yeah. And so that, um, that that process led to you know more and more and more and i remember when i first started selling them i built hundreds of prototypes by hand by the way and to get the story off the ground and sell it to the high profile teams and it would take me six hours to build one of them and i built hundreds and i'll tell you what before we had built the injection mold to build the platform because you're talking about one hundred and sixty thousand dollars to pull that trigger so before that, I had an opportunity with Fit Magazine or Fitness, Fitness Magazine, where they were going down to Bahamas to do a shoot. And they said, if you can get us a BOSU ball here by 11 a.m. Um, tomorrow, that no, two days, uh, in two days by 11 a.m. on Friday or whatever, uh, we'll take it down, we'll photo shoot it. And so what I did was I went to my wood shop where I was building all these units and I built a wooden base that was so well done that it looked like plastic. 
So I'm talking about I would fill it. I mean, you're talking 600 grain sandpaper. You're talking like I made that thing perfect. Drove into Manhattan, had to double park on Fifth Avenue and run up and get it there before 11 o'clock. And I made it by 1059. Wow. And I I literally didn't go to sleep the night before because, you know, you're finishing this thing. So, again, adversity. There's Life is a marathon, so you have to pace yourself. But there are times when you have to sprint and sprint your butt off because – I liken it to like, if you're going to catch the bus, if you get there, then you get to go with sitting down. But if you don't catch the bus, you got to walk and you're not going as far and you're working a lot harder. So that aspect of it was very, very important. But then when I started selling them, I received phone calls from customers who had children with autism and just the tears in their eyes and my eyes as they're telling me that, you know, my, my child has, has never engaged in anything for more than a minute or two. And at the therapist, he was engaged with the Bozo ball for 45 minutes. The therapist had never seen anything like it and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, my God, like those are the heartwarming things that it's like, OK, in a sense, it's already worth it. Right. If it all goes to hell in a handbasket, you're, you're, there's a such profound sense of. I don't know, just sense of fulfillment at the deep level, right? That's awesome. And that's so awesome. it, it, that, that's how it got into therapy as well. Ah, I just love what you just shared, though, about how you stayed up the whole night and to make it happen, you know. I think that people say that they have dreams, but then they go to sleep on their dreams, right? Like they, they say, oh, well, you know, I have this dream, but, you know, I need my eight hours tonight or whatever. And, and I, I'm a health professional. I believe that eight hours sleep is a good thing. I also believe that there are times in your life where you have a dream that's so important that you might want to miss tonight's sleep so that you don't miss the bus. So I really love what you just shared there. So thank you for sharing that. That's that's really good. And so I'm curious, you know, these original prototypes uh, that you were making, how different are they from what we use? How different were they from what we use today? Uh, you know, what's okay, that? so basically I was buying stability balls wholesale. And cutting the stability balls in half, wrapping them around a wooden platform that I had to shellac with three layers because wood is porous and air seeps through wood. So I had to plastify the wood and it took so long because you've got drying time and you've got layers and you're wearing a ventilator all day long as you're doing this. I have pictures from uh, not that many pictures because we didn't have the technology to shoot video and pictures, right? But because um, this was back in 99. And <laughs> it was like, I have pictures on my front yard with the ladders scattered all through the yard and on the driveway with these wooden BOSU platforms drying. And my neighbors would be walking by and they'd see like, you know, 50 of these two foot circles on the yard drying. And I remember one of my neighbors who had worked on Wall Street, and I used to speak to him when I did. And he's like, are, are you making tables for a living? Like, <laughs> what's going on, right? Uh, uh, looks like you're building little outdoor tables, right? Little, yeah, uh, I mean, it was, it was just insane. Like, you see this, you know, suburban neighborhood, you know, da-da-da, green grass. And then here's a guy, like, painting on shellac on 50 of these platforms, and I would use ladders to, you know, to, to make it so that grass didn't, you know, mess it up. And uh, it was just, 
the the process was to validate it organically. So I I I would go to uh, I went to the U.S. ski team and sold the very first units and they loved it and asked me for 24 more of them. I was like, absolutely. And they shipped them all over the world. And that got the Australian Institute of Sport into it. And then I went the Yankees, the Lakers, the Devils and the Rams because they were all the respective champions in those big sports and, you know, football, baseball, hockey and, and basketball and soccer really wasn't here, you know, in that sense. But I got the story going where I would show up at a trade show and it's like, look, if you don't believe me, you look who's using this thing and read what they had to say. Well, right. Yeah. How did you get like, I mean, that must have been challenging, though. Like you're like, I want to get in with the champions and the respective sports. But I mean, if I myself today wanted to get in with, uh, you know, the Buccaneers or whatever, you know, I, I wouldn't even know where to begin, you know. So uh, yeah. what type of determination did it take to make connections with those teams with your product that was unknown? You know? Well, I, I, I did have an ace up my sleeve, and that was my father, who was an amazing, he was amazing on the telephone. Mm -hmm. So I'll tell you how, the one that kicked it off was the U.S. ski team. So 10 days after I had patent pending, I was in Park City, Utah, selling the first ones. Mm -hmm. And what happened was I sent a letter to the U.S. ski team, to the head of the you know, physiology and training and that person had left the job. So this letter never reached anybody. And it was two weeks. And I'm like, Dad, I haven't heard anything back. He's like, well, call him up. I'm like, well, what do I say? And he's like, well, here's my secret. I assume that the person really does want to hear what I have to say and what I want. They just don't know it yet. <laughs> and so I was like, all right, Dad, you make the call then. All right, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, come on. Because <laughs> I, I can't assume that. I just can't do it yet. Yeah. Um, well, no, I can assume it, but I'm too nervous to, right, right, right. to make it happen. Sure, so sure. he opened the door for me. And then back in that day, you didn't have like the same cell phones and, and there wasn't as much sort of noise. So you would find the phone number to the training room, which you could get back then. And then my father would just call and call and call and never leave a message until someone actually picked up the phone. And as soon as someone got on the phone, I mean, that's, he reeled you in. Yeah. And, and that's how I got, you know, yeah. all my appointments in the beginning was my dad, you know, on a telephone, yeah, uh, giving enough intrigue that that person was like, okay, it's worth my time to see this. And mm -hmm. mm -hmm. so, yeah, that leads me to my question. When you're first starting out with this, I mean, now we can send videos showing hundreds of exercises that you can do on the BOSU ball or, you know, any piece of equipment. But how did you, did you personally go and show them you can do this, you can do this, you can do this. Like, I mean, how did you get the word out there of, of all the different things that you can do, whether it's just exercise, rehab, you know, any of that kind of stuff? Well, I did go in person to all those. So I made the sale in person because that was how I was going to do it. I remember walking through the old Yankee Stadium and the catacombs of the old Yankee Stadium and then going into this little training room. And Chris Chambliss, who used to play first base as a coach, and he's on the Stairmaster. And the guy's name was Jeff Mangold. And I sold him two units. And here's how I sold them. I said, I'm going to leave these here with you but you have to pay for them. So if you want to keep them, I'm going to send you an invoice. And if you don't like it and don't want to keep it, then I'll take them back. 
So there's no risk, but I can't give them to you because then they're not worth anything. And that was my, again, advice from my father. I love if you it. Give, if you give something it. to someone, then they don't appreciate it. That's yeah, true, yeah. Right? Really. Paying ears are ears that listen, right? Yeah, ears. yeah, yeah. That's very, very good. Well, and you know, I mean, it just shows the confidence that you had in your product too. I mean, you know, because I mean, we do a 30 yes. day money back yes. guarantee at our fitness facility. It's like, you know, if you don't like us or, you know, you don't have a good experience. Right. It, feelings, but. It, it's got to be win-win. Yeah. And the other thing that I did was I made a VHS tape. So uh-huh. I remember it was like a cold, blustery December day. And I was at this like community park where they had tennis courts and basketball courts. And on the basketball court, I just showed, you know, I made like a six minute video of, you know, 30 second snippets or no, like 15, 20 second snippets of a whole bunch of stuff and then did voiceover. And then I would send out a VHS tape. Wow. Yeah. Sounds like, you know, <laughs> I mean, these, these championship teams were not in the same city. I'm already imagining a ton of different travel. And, and even when you're a young entrepreneur trying to finance that travel or, you know, planes, trains and automobiles and whatever it takes. And then, you know, uh, getting a camera with a VHS, by the way, for our young listeners, that was before DVD and Blu-ray and you could just get a downloaded movie on uh, or streaming movie on Netflix or whatever. Uh, <laughs> it's funny VHS, you know, I say cassette sometimes, you know, <laughs> Yep. yep. But, uh, you know, there's a, a lot of determination in that. And I just want to ask you that for those that have a dream, you know, what are some of the best pieces of advice that you can give about, you know, accomplishing things in the face of adversity, if you will. Uh, you know, I don't know if you've had mantras or a code that you live by. Your dad sounds awesome. Maybe there was someone in your life that inspired you. I'm sure he certainly did. Uh, he was a big helper. But, uh, you know, what, what would you share uh, to that question, if you would? Well, just from a logistical standpoint, what I would say is that uh, as if, if someone wants to invent things, right, or, or start something new, I use a principle that is a dollar is a dollar is a dollar. So you have to recognize that to keep the dream alive, you have to have more dollars in than dollars out. Mm -hmm. So that is the practical reality that you have to, if that equation isn't met, there's no sustainability and you, now you got to go do something else. Mm -hmm. So that's the, that's the thing that you have to keep in mind right from the get-go, that this has to be profitable. Uh, and what's my burn, right? Because I don't have the luxury of being uh, the U.S. government, um, <laughs> where I can just print my money. Right, 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 right. <laughs> yeah. I'm out of money. Let me print some more. Right. So, so that there's that. And then what the mantra that I have and the mission that I had. So first, I'll say the mission. When I invented the BOSU balance trainer, I said to myself, this is a huge opportunity to set myself up financially, but it's also the huge opportunity to become the world's foremost expert on the subject of balance measured by locomotion. So you have to be very specific in what you say to yourself. And the measured by locomotion was the key aspect of that. I want to be the world's foremost expert on the subject of balance. Because now you have a tangible objective that is a lighthouse that you know if you're getting closer to it because it's objective and you know when you're veering off. So you can constantly adjust and tic-tac your way to where you need to get to. 
And my mantra that I live by today is every step stronger and for everyone. So what I want to do is I want to provide useful information and useful tools, wherewithal, to literally make every step stronger for everyone. Wow. And if you take these mantras literally, then they can become extremely powerful because now when the chips are down or it's really tough, you can go back to, okay, well, what is the root of this and what's going to keep me going and what helps me overcome that thing that I, it might be too much if I didn't have that. Right. If it's just I want to make a million dollars, well, okay, you, you got to make one first, right? And how are you going to make 10? How are you make a hundred? So that that is how I strategically manipulated my mindset for success. That's awesome. And you know, the visual I had when you said every step stronger is I was thinking of those feet of yours that you were trying to strengthen back in the day. You know, that was the visual I got when you said that. Yeah. Um, for our, our listeners that have used a BOSU but never heard from the inventor about all the benefits that you'd like them to experience, you know, or some of the key benefits, I, I, there's so many benefits. I, I'm sure that would be a long, uh, that could be a podcast in <laughs> itself, right? But uh, um, what are some of the key benefits that you want people to be aware of when you talk about, you know, you want to be the foremost expert and uh, balance through locomotion? Is that what you said? Is measured, me measured by locomotion. Measured by locomotion. Um, what are those key benefits that you want people to be aware of that they're experiencing when they're using a BOSU? Um, well, I think it, I'm going to use the acronym BOSU. So it started out as both sides up. So the BOSU. And then through my training discoveries, I transformed it to both sides utilized. And that's in every sense of the words, both sides utilized. So it's fast, slow, hard, soft, right, left, up, down. So it's this Taoist approach of, you know, find the fundamental opposites of polarity, expand the polarities, you get the greatest uh, reward overall, you're growing the pie as you sort of take this both sides utilized concept. Now, BOSU also can stand for balance of stable and unstable. Mm -hmm. And what I mean to say on that is when the dome side is up, the BOSU ball is stable. You can jump on it with multi-force body weight and it's not going anywhere. You can do anything you want, and that BOSU ball is going to be right where it is. So it is stable. Now, the dome has this instability factor to it that is unlike any other because I can always get a foot to the floor and then I'm suddenly safe. And that lets me push the boundaries, push the boundaries of my capacity. And it's not a bongo board, you know, where I'm falling off and, you know, it's not if it's when you're going to fall off and bust your butt kind of a thing. So that is what I'd like people to understand is that it's about challenging yourself within a framework where you're doing no harm. And that's so important because you don't want to take two steps forward and three steps back with injury. And it's appropriate for virtually anyone. And at the trade shows, what I did at the trade shows was I would entice people to come stand on the dome. Just that's all I care. That's all I care. And then I would entice them to close their eyes 
And then I would entice them to move their head and, and tilt. And I would do it until I upset their balance and they had to get a foot to the floor. And I had instructed them, just put your foot, open your eyes and step down. No big deal. And what I would do to entice them is I would say, okay, I'm going to give you a hundred dollars. If you can stand on it with one foot, eyes closed for 10 seconds and no one ever did it. And so, but a hundred dollars, all I got to do is that. And so they come in the booth, they do that. But the, the precursor to that was give them the experience of like, now they've agreed to stand on it. Now I got a little leeway and I would have them stand on it with two feet, close their eyes and tilt their head. And when they lost their balance, every single person, and I'm not exaggerating, it became my objective. I used to write it down on a piece of paper and say, you're going to do this and <laughs> it's on the paper. They would smile. So they would do this and they would, and they would suddenly reflexively smile because I think it is innate for a human being to want to learn, actually learn and feeling is knowing. So they had this incredible experience of, oh my God, I lost it, but I'm safe. So that lets me go get it again. Right. And I knew that if I could get that smile, they would remember that event. And next time they saw it, now they're more likely to buy it. Right. Cause they're not buying it right now. Right. And I would just get people in and have them experience that. And then the other thing that I would like to say about the BOSU ball is we discovered that you can use it as a resistance training device by compressing it. There's people who swear that it's the most productive push-up on the planet because you're getting this center line force, which is where you want it to be athletically is to the center before it goes out. You don't, that's not athletic. This is athletic. Right. So that compression with the elasticity creates this rate of force development that is much faster than gravity. If I take a slingshot and I go to the ground, hundred pounds of force on the slingshot gets to the ground a lot faster than hundred pounds of mass. It's the same force acting on the body, but it's not the same force because there's a current and there's an acceleration rate factor that stimulates the nervous system. So we will prime on the BOSU ball to perform a heavy weightlifting deadlift, for example. And we will use the, the, this here to increase your power to explode with the upper body. So it's a wonderful tool. Anybody can find something to do with it. And these ways that, that first of all, it's a balance of stable, unstable. So don't call it an unstable device. It's right. not an unstable device. Right. Right. When the dome is up, platforms up, then it's an unstable device. But if it were just the platform up, it would just be another wobble board in the corner that nobody ever uses, right? So that was what was special about it was its effect on the nervous system to transcend your capacity to support yourself on this earth safely. You slip yep. on a banana peel and nothing else matters in those microseconds. Literally nothing else matters. It's all subcortical, ah, freak out, right? And yeah. the, BOSU, the BOSU ball lets you downregulate freak out. Mm-hmm. That is so cool to have your mind describe yeah. it. I mean, that's just, it gives us some things to really think about in here. Uh, that's just awesome. Um, well, you know, I think it's appropriate to talk about the Pro Pulse Speed Trainer and Soul Step, like those, those things are coming up. You know, what can you tell us about what's ahead for you and, and us, you know, all these people that you're serving in the fitness industry? What are these uh, new inventions that are coming up? Well, the propulsed speed trainers are really special because what they do is they train an athletic attribute or athletic skill set 
that has been hiding in plain sight all along. So when I, I the BOSU ball afforded me the ability to study, study, study. So I probably put in 50,000 hours of intense study. I went to Chinese medical school, studied martial arts, flew to China twice, like go, would go to New York, privately study with him there, uh, studied from uh, Rolfing and um, Feldenkrais and Traeger and a whole bunch of these disciplines from the from the lineage where those masters had passed away but it was their first students who i got it from and this ultimately led to me discovering a position with my hands where i triangulate the fingers to create a structure that is just it's bone architecture is fundamentally stronger than this this is used to grasp and hold on to something and it's really not that useful empty-handed the wrist is not stable. These things get damaged. Those get broke. But this, I mean, suddenly I had like, oh my gosh. And when I did that shape, I felt like I can punch down and create the rebound of boom, connective tissue recoil. And I instantly thought of Deion Sanders. The way that he runs is he boom, boom, boom. He spikes higher ground force with his upper body and the manner in which he uses his arms. And so I knew it in 2010, but how do I share it? How do I share it? Like, it's really hard to change the way you run without some stimulus that gives you a sensation of what you want to change it to. So sort of like, you know, pin the tail on a donkey, but here, put on these, you know, <laughs> put on the blindfold. Right. So basically it took 2017 when I used the technology of my, my RMT club that has a shifting weight inside of it. And I was like, wait a minute, if I put that in little canisters, I can eliminate inertia. And so it's all about speed and bing, bing, bing. And suddenly I'm like, oh my gosh, this is going to be a, a bigger thing than the BOSU ball. And because this applies to everybody, it's less expensive. And it leaves you with this invaluable athletic skill of a faster first step, better agility. And you can stride out so effortlessly. You can run up a hill easier with these things. Now, I will say, that innovation is met with ridicule, rejection, hate, uh, disgusting, disgusting dishonesty. Um, that's what innovation is so often met with. Dick Fosbury created the Fosbury flop and high jump where you dive over the bar backward, not forward. Your center of mass doesn't have to clear the bar. So you get that much higher just with the technique. He won the Olympics in 68, and in 1972, the experts had rejected it so roundly that the Olympics was won by the old technique four years later, and he didn't jump as high as Fosbury did. Mm. Okay, it took eight years for a... If you look in hindsight at that, and you ask biomechanically, the only thing that you can say is, shame on you. Shame right. on you for, for rejecting that technique. Shame 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 and and i i get visceral about it because i want to help the world there's an altruistic motive here now i will benefit okay i will benefit but that should not mean that you don't want to benefit if there is in fact the benefit so right. all i'm asking is give it a try so you know don't listen to the guy who bashes bosu balls and says they make you weaker because of some bullshit science study that made this incorrect conclusion it's a tool, a hammer, right? You're not going to wash the window with a hammer. Okay, right? We get it. So this is, 
the propulsors are now starting to gain a momentum. We've got the right people using them and they will become a ubiquitous tool and a big, big step forward and every step stronger. So that's the propulsors. They're incredible. They're life-changing. And I envision every single youth athlete on this planet will have them. The teams will use them. It'll just be the, the college programs, the high school programs, the pro programs. Everybody's going to do it because it gives you an advantage that didn't exist before. It wow. literally didn't exist. No, no running instruction has ever existed where it said punch down to win the fight with the ground. No one's ever said it. No, so no, it's no. just this. It, it was overlooked. And now we've got a device that will teach it and train it. And finally, we're getting the open-minded people who are pushing the closed-minded people into a corner that we are painting them out of. Come out of the corner. Come out of the corner and join us to help make every step stronger. And don't hold to your own laurels where you're not going to look at anything new, right? right. You, you have to constantly be willing to kill your darlings. If something comes along and you get a superior result, don't hold on to the old one just because just because you're the expert in it, right? right? right. Yeah. This yeah. augments. So now um, the soul steps, soul steps, if you stand on the BOSU ball in different locations, the force vectors change because it's a dome and it's fundamentally different. And a three-dimensional surface that has give to it is fundamentally different than a flat ground surface. It's like translating a globe to a flat map and so you have to mercator the thing where it's like, why is it all cut out weird? Or why is, you know, why is Greenland bigger than Africa? It's because you can't translate 3D into 2D. And there's a very complex translation for the human body when it is presented with a three-dimensional force. And when you put your feet in a very specific spot on the BOSU ball, you are approximating what a soul step is. So it took it took me a decade to figure out the soul steps, but when I figured it out, it was like that magic aha clouds part, right? Rainbow happens. Oh! And <laughs> you just, you stand on them and you're like, Oh my God, this just feels good. Right. And what it does is it pitches your weight. Gravity's happening all the time. So standing still is not still. There's this excitatory effect of extension that your body is doing. You know, when you're falling asleep in a chair and you get that, and like, uh, ding, ding. that's your body naturally saying, no, I'm going to be up vertical here. Right. right? right. So right. it's so so it's it's natural and it's innate. And so the soul steps, it's a very active uh, activity just to stand on them and my brother, who's not an exercise guy, who just likes simple, don't explain it to me. He's like, David, I like the soul steps because they make me feel better. <laughs> like, right, right, right. Right. <laughs> and, we're, and we're going nuts with soul steps. Soul steps are selling really well because, again, it's so simple. And the user testimonials are so good. And it's sort of that unbelievable thing where it's like, it's so simple. And... Well, that was going to be my question. Where do you go to learn more about the soul step or the propulsor? You know, uh, Weckmethod.com. Weck We've got instruction. We've got free courses so that when, you know, you can, you can buy the propulsors or you can just go look at the training, but we give you free instruction so that it's like, okay, do these things. Boom, boom, boom. And now you got a foundation and you can go on to do more things. And then we have paid professional education, which some fitness enthusiasts want to go real deep. So they pay for the professional education and the professionals 
they now are informed to deliver a, you know, a new skill set to clients that literally didn't exist prior to now. And I think that that's really cool. I think it's really cool, cool too. I love the way your mind works. Uh, and I love the way that you've channeled your adversity to be of benefit to so many, you know, I mean, I, I hope everybody's paying attention because when you're going through something, there's not just an obstacle, there's an opportunity, right? You know, whether it be your elbow or whether it be the lesson you were learning as you got rejected as, you know, an actor so many times, it's just so much, you know? Go yeah. Ahead. yeah, well, Napoleon Hill, right? So within the, um, you know, within the ashes of defeat or adversity is the seed of opportunity. And that's, it's so often true is that when it is, when it appears to be its worst, look for the opportunity because it may have uncovered a diamond that would have never been uncovered had it not got really tough. So that is a really, really good way to look at it is no matter how bad it gets. And I've been depressed to the point where I wasn't suicidal, but I wouldn't have moved if the truck were heading my way. Like I was so catatonically depressed and I didn't see light out of it. I just thought like, okay, my life is over and da da da, and felt horrible. And all I can say is to anyone feeling that way or close is it can and does get better. It can and does get better. Within and the ashes, within the ashes of defeat or adversity are the seeds of opportunity. Yeah. And I'm paraphrasing like he, Napoleon Hill said, you know, it's something about that, you know, within adversity is the seed of opportunity, but I like sort of ashes of defeat, you know, Phoenix rising. Kind yeah, of. <laughs> well, that's our logo. So I love it. You know, <laughs> us, you know? Yeah. I think we'll, we'll make that a quote if it's not the exact one already, you know, so, uh, man, it's just been such a pleasure to talk to you today. How can uh, our listeners uh, get more of you or, you know, follow you or whatever those social media or website links are that you'd like to provide? At weckmethod.com, W-E-C-K-M-E-T-H-O-D.com is a great resource, and that's where you get our stuff. And then I am the David Weck on Instagram, and I share very freely on Instagram. I post quite a bit. Um, and again, every step stronger. The more we are informed with good information, the stronger and more capable we are of shepherding it through for the next generation. And as the technological advancement continues to exponentially grow, I mean, we're at an asymptotic vertical practically, and it's only going to get more. We need to have the sound um, body in which to harbor the mind and the spirit. And so physical education to make it more enjoyable, I think, is the number one objective because people do things they enjoy and they tend to not do things they don't enjoy. And selling exercise can be like selling snow to an Eskimo where it's like, uh, sorry, like I just, you know, <laughs> I don't feel like doing that. I'd rather watch Netflix and eat. <laughs> no, I say to Cindy all the time, you know, and we've had this discussion. The secret to exercise adherence is making people have fun or enjoy or be happy while doing it. So that's that's the truth. And that's what we try to do. And, and your product allows us to do it. So thank you so much for that. Yeah. Yeah. Thank and, you. and thank you for being a great guest on our show today. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, it, we're just getting the word out and everything's win win. Fitness is not a zero sum game. And some people make that mistake because it's sort of like in self-help, the 
your best customer in self-help is the one who just bought a different self-help and it didn't work. So now they're looking for another self-help, right? And I say that sort of in jest, but it's largely true. Um, and that oftentimes is an excuse to not do the hard things because you've ameliorated your, your sort of state of disease by making that purchase. Okay, now my life is going to change. Now I've got the seat, you know, the three secrets and blah, 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 right? No, it's hard work and overcoming adversity. And yes, then those three secrets work. But the three secrets don't work unless you're going to overcome that, uh, that adversity. So, yeah, I mean, it's the fitness customer who buys something is more likely to buy another thing. And they're more likely to progress, right? You've probably seen that with your clients, right? Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm going to buy a new pair of skis. Like, I haven't done that in years, but... Well, you guys got me feeling so good that I'm going to do that. I'm, you know what I mean? It's sure, sure. that's that's what it is. It's not zero sum. And I like Elon Musk, where it's if you want more pie, make more pie. Don't right. cut my slice smaller. Right? <laughs> Grow the pie. Yeah. So good. So good. Oh, wow. Thank you so much. You know, I've already grown from just this conversation that we've had with you today. So thank you for that. And I'm sure our listeners thank you as well. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you so much. Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Overcomers Podcast sponsored by Journey 333. When I am not hosting the Overcomers Podcast, I am working at one of our fitness franchises so that I can continue to help people overcome adversity on a daily basis. That's right. People come to the Journey 333 fitness franchises because they want a coach in their life. They want somebody to help them overcome the adversities of life motivate them to higher levels of greatness, bring out their potential, help them lose weight, get off medications, fight depression, fight anxiety. That's what we do on a regular basis. If you feel like you want your life to be about helping more people to overcome their adversities, if you feel like you're an overcomer and you want to create more overcomers, then maybe owning a Journey 333 franchise would be for you. To find out more, go to www.journeyfitness333.com.